1: This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today.
2: You're listening to Bass Vision for News, the Paddle and Fan Podcast, with your hosts, Ryan Milford and Sean Lambert. Welcome back to Bass Fishing for Noobs on the Palin Finn Podcast. I'm Ryan. We got Sean in here.
1: Hey, guys. What's happening?
2: And tonight we have Mr. Craig Dye in here. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you. Yeah.
2: Craig's going to talk to us tonight. We're going to do a little, I guess, crank crankbait 101. You know, I just recently... Um, got the crankbait bug because I didn't throw it for the longest time. And, uh, you know, I put out a post. I was wanting to get somebody on that knows, you know, more about or knows a lot about crankbait fishing. And I put out a post asking if anybody wanted to come on or any suggestions. And we had, like, I had several people suggest Craig (laughs) die, So, like, I, like, this i was like okay i gotta I got get craig down sorry
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but uh but yeah so craig for anybody that don't know you you won't get over like who you are what you do all that good stuff
3: yeah um I, I i won't go through everything but i i've been in the kayak uh kayak bass fishing deal for a long time you know probably eight or ten years um i've been around since uh chad started uh kbf and started doing all the opens um uh, when he started Hook One in Tennessee is the same year that I moved there, and um, I got you know a great relationship with Chad from the very beginning, and um, man, that's really where it all started. I mean, I started kayak fishing uh, with my wife. Uh, actually, I lived in Atlanta before I was in Tennessee in Nashville, and uh, just for something else to do together for fun. And um, I'm super competitive, and when when they first started having tournaments, um, I um, was lucky enough to be there at the very beginning of this stuff. And we didn't have hog troughs. We didn't have catch boards. We actually had a, uh, like a um, yardstick and, <laughs> and they, and they give you a sticker. No joke. They give you a sticker that you had to stick on the yardstick. And like, it was like,
2: oh, wow. that, that
3: was, yeah, that was your identifier. I mean, that was a long time ago. That was back. Uh, that was here in Georgia. I mean, it had to be 10, 10, maybe 11 years ago. And, um, you know, to see it grow, um, you know, to now was crazy, but, uh, I've been doing it. I love it. Um, I love filming. I love, you know, doing videos. I love, you know, I have two sons now, so now I film with those, you know, those guys, you know, those my kids, and I, I'm just, I just can't get away from it. I just, I just, I I love this stuff, and um, yeah, man, I'm you know, 10 years in, and I'm still here, you know, doing tournaments and, you know, just doing what I can and get out there to chase these crazy fish, man.
2: Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so... It is crankbait like, uh, is that like your number one technique or uh, I, I'd assume it's one of them since you're yeah. pretty well known for it?
3: Well, it, it's something I really enjoy. And, and, you know, I had a feeling you were going to ask me this question. So I was kind of thinking about it. I, I think I was never, so when I got into kayak fishing, I was always a paddling kayaker. I never pedaled right i tried it for a little while i was in a native for a while they made great kayaks but i don't know if my legs are too short i don't know what it is man but i just like I, I just wasn't comfortable having my knees kind of in my chest and like all that in front of you so i was always a paddler right so kayak fishing you're always getting the wind's always blowing you around you know you're always getting turned the direction you don't want to go you're always so i started power fishing a lot i started throwing a lot of crankbaits a lot of spinner baits. And, you know, throwing worms and that stuff. I mean, yeah, you can do it, but it's, sometimes it's tough, especially when you're trying to pinpoint one little area or one brush pile or a, a drop-off. And I just kind of, that's the kind of style of fishing I went to. And then um, I just started having a lot of success. And, and I was in Nashville uh, early on when I first got there when I really started throwing crankbaits a lot and throwing crankbaits on wood and rock, you know, because um, they have a lot of that. Percy Priest Lake was my home lake. And if you want to throw a crankbait on rock, you can go there and miles and miles and miles and just burn rock up all day. And when you learn how to do that and catch fish and get that reaction bite, when you can't even catch them on a worm, but you can go there with a crankbait and make them eat, I just I just got addicted to it, man. I just, everywhere I went, I wanted to figure out how to catch those fish on a crankbait, you know, even if it's around grass, if it's wood, I mean, whatever it is, shallow, deep, you know, always, always wanted to figure out how to catch them on a crankbait, And I guess that's how it happened. And I just, I still love it. I mean, I still have three crankbait rods in my kayak at all times, and you know, I just, it just, it just gets bites. You know, that's what it is. You just get bites.
2: Man, what what you just said about person—that's what I want to do now. You know, since I've kind kind of got that bug for crankbait, I, man, some uh, my buddy Thomas Davis, he he was like, he was like, man, you we got to get out on pre sometime and throw it out there. He's it's like, it's, it's fire out there. So like, I, I need to get out there and bounce it off. off stuff, and Give it a try.
3: Yeah. but It's, uh, it's something yeah. else. Man. It's fun. It's addicting.
2: Get ready. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I already feel addicted, but <laughs> yeah. for me, for me, it's been one specific brand so far. And I'm, I I don't know. I've kind of got the confidence in that brand at the moment and I haven't really tried a lot of others. So how do you feel about it? Are are you kind of brand specific on when you're throwing crankbaits or do you have like several different brands that you'll throw or how does that work?
3: Well, I'm not, to me, it's not always about what bait you're throwing or what kind of bait or what brand of bait. Um, For me, it's about really putting the bait in the right spot. I mean, that 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 bait's going so fast, man. I mean, even if it's a custom painted bait versus a one out the shelf, that bait's moving quick, man. And then sometimes you know color and stuff like that can help. But for me, it's more about where you put it and how you present the bait. Um, But for me, it's about consistency out of the package. Um, The last thing I want to be doing on the water is trying to tune a crankbait in a kayak in a tournament that's the last thing you want to be doing because it's not easy to do. It takes time. You have, you got to do it three or four times. It drives me nuts. Okay. So um, what I learned is start, I started going to the uh, R- R- Rapala, Rapala, whatever you want to call it, products. And to me, those crankbaits are just so true out of the package that I just really started leaning toward those for, you know, DT6s to like, you know, your DT10s or DT14s. Um, but for shallow stuff, um, it's hard to beat a Strike King Square bill. I mean, they just made they're made very solid. Um, you know, I mean, you see KVD winning, you know, a, you know, Elite Series on it all the time and stuff like that. So that's that's I use mostly Strike King 1.0s and 1.5s for my square bills. I do use the Rapala Brat sometimes. Um it's actually a Balsa square bill that has like a hard plastic cover. Um they're pretty cool. They're a little bit small. This is one right here, actually. That's the Rapala Brat. So, this is the, you know, the Rapala Brat versus the KVD 1.5. So, it's a little bit smaller, you know. Um, but those are the two brands. Like 99% of the time, I'm throwing, you know, if you're just talking crane bait, you know, if you're not talking, um, you know, rattle traps, but square bills from, you know, the the uh, shallow ones. Let's see, I don't have a shallow right here, but the Strike King, uh, the 1.5 shallows, you know, they go, what, six inches deep? All the way to a Strike King five XD, then you can go twenty, you know, twenty foot plus. So, a King and Rappler are my two brands to answer your question.
2: Okay. Yeah. See, the, I've got the confidence in uh, the Spro Little John, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, those are good.
2: And yeah, uh, yeah and so I, I need to try some other ones. I, I've I've got some some of the KBD. Um, I think the only Rapala or Rapala, whatever you want to call it, but I think the only ones I really have of them are the shad wraps. Yeah. And I I used to actually throw those every now and then back when I like first started fishing because I had people tell me, yeah, get shad wraps and throw them out there. But yeah. man, they they always told me to get the smaller ones, and I could not cast those to save my life. You know, I get like a ten foot cast, and you know that's not far enough to work it. So <laughs>
3: you, you throw in like the number fives or the number sevens or where they are. They're, they're, they're pretty small ones. They're about that big. So actually, I probably have some right here.
2: Yeah, so, they're pretty small. Yeah. Uh,
3: well. Yeah, this is the uh, number five, I think. Yeah, that's the five right there. So yeah, they're pretty small.
2: So, but, um, Did that even, look, I don't know, it could just be the camera angle, but that even looks big compared to the ones I was throwing. So I don't know if they yeah. make a smaller one than that. Or,
3: yeah, that's, that,
2: that's a five. It, it might be the same though.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, the, the trick with throwing those shad wraps, um, uh, you know, obviously throw them on a spinning rod and, uh, throw them with a, you know, light braid, you know, eight or 10 pound braid with like a fluorocarbon leader. Um, you know maybe three or four foot leader on there and then the key is if you have a meat like a too stiff of a rod it's going to be impossible to work that bait and, and you're also going to lose a lot of fish so the rod is you know i imagine we'll get into that later but i mean a a medium action like a six foot six or seven foot you know spinning rod to throw those light crankbaits with some really light braid that's the way to, to work those baits. that's how a lot of the pros do it you'll see a lot of guys i know. Hot defo throws a lot of shad wraps on spinning rods, and you know, so that's the way to go for that.
2: You yeah, see, I think back then I was still throwing mono on everything. So. Hey,
3: hey, I still use mono too. Um, <laughs> I actually, you know, when we can talk fishing line. Um, I actually, uh, on all my crankbait, except my spinning rods, on all my crankbait rods, I actually use monofilament, and really, I, really. you know, straight all mono. Straight mono, straight mm-hmm. mono. And a lot of the pros use fluorocarbon, but David Fritz, y'all know David Fritz, probably the best crankbait fisherman ever, right? I met him, spent some time with him, um, and I asked him about that. And he sticks with mono, you know, 10 or 12-pound mono, 14-pound, if he's, you know, throwing in some heavy wood shallow. But I like mono. It's cheap. You know, I buy these bigger spools like this here. I change it a lot. Y'all, y'all, you know how great mono casts. I mean, it's just it's just so easy to work with. And the stretch is fine. You using treble hooks, it's okay to have the stretch. It's not a problem. So as long as you keep an eye on it when you're fishing, check your line. You know, if you get snagged or you catch a big fish, just check your line and you're good to go. But I use 10 and 12 pound mono 99% of the time when I'm throwing crankbaits. Interesting.
5: <laughs> okay, since
2: you since you already started on that, let me go ahead. Uh, okay, so the first day that I was on crankbait, like, just here recently, well, like, seriously trying to throw it, the uh, the reel that I was initially using, I spooled up with, uh it was 12-pound line, it was that P-line mm-hmm. fluoro clear. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's not 100% fluorocarbon. it's got that stretch to it, yeah. because I thought the same thing, you know, got that stretch, throwing it on a medium, Medium casting rod. Um, well, I had, I, you know, the beginning of the morning was crazy. Me and my buddy were both like hanging into fish, but like it was all like little dinks. Yeah. A, yeah. a ton of like probably like 10 inch fish. Right. And, but I, uh, like they were, were, and then, you know, a, a little bit into it, the, Oh, we lose Sean.
1: No, I'm here. You're breaking up on me a little bit,
2: but
3: yeah, you're you're breaking up a little bit, kind of coming in and out. But I, I can hear you.
2: Okay. Well, a little bit into it, um, my reel blew up on me. It gave <laughs> down on me. I had you know another rod that I wasn't really using. I took the reel off of it, and it, I believe it was twelve pound 100% fluoro mm-hmm. and i don't think i lost another fish after that so i was thinking maybe with the medium rod and, and that fluoro clear having that stretch maybe it was having too much give in there so yeah. do, do you not find that i i guess i should ask you what uh setups you would normally throw like would you use use a medium rod uh for uh, i think i was throwing like a medium diver crankbait
3: yeah yeah i actually um i throw a saint croix a legend glass cranking rod a six foot ten for and i basically have the rods for the depth right for you know basically how close am i going to be to the bank this is a way how I choose my rod length. I know that sounds funny, but you know, if I'm throwing shallow, you know, ten foot or less, I'm probably gonna be close to the bank most likely, throwing around wood, throwing around rock, you know, maybe throwing around some bluffs or docks or anything. I need to be super accurate. So having a shorter rod, and yes, I use a medium, it's a St. Croix legend glass, medium cranking rod, six foot ten is what I use for ten foot and less. And I use mono with that. And I mm. really
5: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
3: As long as you keep an eye on your hooks, um, for example, this is the crankbait I, u- I use at the Kayak Bass Fishing National Championship. Um, I put a little video out today where I caught a, I caught a 22 on a crankbait, on this crankbait. Wow. And I don't know if y'all happen to see that video, but... Um, I was cranking rip rap at the national championship a lot. I tried to get away from a lot of the anglers and I fished way up North, uh, kind of main river stuff. And I noticed on day three, I lost three fish on this bait. And what I, which and I know, I know better, but I didn't realize is that once you crank rock a lot, these hooks actually get dull, a lot duller than they would be out of the box. That makes so, sense. So, I mean the, you know, that's, that's a sharp hook, but that's not in close to like, if I took it out of this package right here, I mean, it would be huge difference. So I guess what I'm saying is I use mono with a medium rod, and I don't really have a problem losing fish. As long as you have the right hooks and doing everything right and set the hook right, let the fish eat it. You know, I mean, those rods, you know, they have a lot of bend. You'll feel the bite. Let them eat it. You know, just give it a good sweep. You know, aside, you'll see some videos where I sweep up. I guess it's just instinct sometimes. You know, really, mm-hmm. you know, sweeping up, I mean, you're kind of, that's where the hooks are not at right you know you know if it's in its mouth that's kind of where the hooks are not at so you really need to sweep to the side so it comes to the side of their mouth you know and grabs the inside of the side of their mouth that's really the way to do it i mean but a lot of times you get a bite you're just going to set it however you are just to set yeah. it you know i mean you just do it just you, you don't even think about it so um if you go watch see that video i posted yesterday i, I set the hook straight up and that's not really the best way to do it, but it is what it is you know but um but yeah, I use, like I said, I use uh, a medium rod with monofilament line. And I do, I do not have problems, um, you know, losing fish. Uh, but what that does, it really helps for that bait to run through, you know, around rock and wood without getting hung up as much. You know, if you use a stiff medium rod or a stiffer rod, that bait is just going to go and just, you know, that, that rod just has no give. You know, when it hits, when it hits that log, it's just going to want to dig in and turn and then hook the log, right? But when you got a softer rod, it's going to come up and allow it to bounce off and deflect and just keep going.
1: I think that was a lot of my problem when I first started. um, Because I was fishing riprap a lot, because I was like, hey, they say, you know, take the deflection on riprap, and it should, you know, that's when you get the hits. And every time I'd hit, I'd get stuck. And I was like, oh, it just drove me nuts. And I think that's what it was, that my rod was way too stiff. And now I hear you say that makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, and look, look, I mean, you're throwing treble hooks in on the bottom of a lake you're going to get hung it's just part of the deal man And it's, it's aggravating and frustrating you're going to lose lures you know i don't like to take the time to use a lure retrieval tool because it just i just when i get in a hurry in a tournament i just want to get it off or break it and just tie on another one and go i know it's not the best way but <laughs> um you know but to to get hung a lot less you know it's throwing a crankbait that goes that doesn't dig super hard in the bottom because if you're digging i mean if you're throwing a dt 10 and four feet i mean it's not gonna not gonna be a fun day you know dt 10 goes down to 10 feet you know on a normal long cast so you know throwing a cavity 1.5 that goes to three to five feet where you where you know you reel a few times then you're starting to feel the bottom you know and you're deflecting you're not digging too hard but you know having you know like like for me a kvd 1.5 a dt6 and a dt10 those three 10 foot or less you got it all covered you know what i mean from Mm -hmm. from two feet really from one foot you can run a kvd 1.5 you know slow as you want from one foot to 10 feet and everything in between you know so
1: now you you mentioned speed there uh how crucial is retrieval speed and how do you vary that up or decide how fast your retrieval speed is
3: um A hundred percent for me, I'm constantly watching my depth finder. Um, And I'm I'm like, you know, if if I, you know, let's just say I'm catching fish in that four to six and I'm throwing a DT six, you know? Yeah. I mean, retrieval speed is important, but as long as you're getting that bait down, I don't care if you use a high speed reel or a slow speed reel, really, as long as you get it down to where it needs to be and deflecting off the bottom, that's really the key. That's how you get those bites. Y'all know that, you know, you've seen it on a million YouTube videos get it down there, you know, cause this bait running straight catches a lot of fish, man. Like you can run this bait through schools and catch a lot of fish kind of, kind of like throwing a top water or swim bait through a school that you can see in your depth finder. But the days when they're not feeding like that and you got to make them eat, you got to be hitting the bottom. You got to be hitting the bottom. So um, I use a lose six, eight to one. Um, that's the speed I use. And it's just kind of a, you know, it's not super fast. It's not super slow. Um, if you use a real high-speed reel, I feel like you kind of lose feel of what the bait's doing. I don't even know if that makes sense out there, and, I, and you, you had a slow-speed reel, and you're reeling faster. You can just you just feel it better. You kind of feel what the bait's doing. But if you're reeling slower, but the bait's going super fast on those high-speed reels, I just feel like you lose a lot of feel, a lot of touch of what the bait's doing, you know, because you, you need to know when you have a piece of grass on here or a leaf, and this bait's not running because this is going to be a wasted cast. If you got a leaf on here, your bait's going to be all jacked up. And if you got a high-speed reel, you're most likely not even going to know it until it gets back to your rod, and you're like, you just made the money cast on the perfect windy <laughs> point, and it's just a big waste. You know, a lot of times when you feel that, you reel it in quick, you clean off your bait, you get it out to where it needs to be, you know, and you just keep going. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've definitely ran into a lot of those leaves. <laughs> my time of doing yeah well perfect time to start crankbait fishing yeah fall, this time
3: so. <laughs> this time of year is going to be uh it's going to be aggravating i'll tell you right now when the leaves start falling you know um you know throwing like a maybe like a paddle tail swim bait instead of a crankbait or a spinner bait sometimes might might make it a little less stressful but i'm still going to throw these i mean i i just the bite you get is just so much fun to me on these on these crankbaits
1: How much can you clear a crankbait just by ripping it? You know what I mean. I've heard that you know ripping it through grass like that to clear it and stuff. But yeah, every time I usually do that with grass on it. (laughs) Well,
3: um, if I'm throwing a rattle trap, I actually throw a. If I'm throwing a rattle trap through grass, right? um, You know, I'm usually throwing a medium heavy rod, um, and I'm actually sometimes if it's if it's bad, I'll actually throw it on braid. It's not. Sometimes you have to, you know, because. You know, you throw this on Gunnersville and you get you get some hydrilla on it and I'm throwing a mono and a medium rod, I mean, you could maybe pop it off, but you're most likely going to have to reel it in and just start over. That's just that's just the way it is, you know, but it just kind of depends on the situation.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, so, what about like the deep divers or what are you throwing that on like a bigger heavier rod
3: yeah i throw it on a um i had a longer rod like a 710 but um since i switched to saint croix i'm actually using a 7 7 foot 3 medium action um legend glass cranking rod and um that's for throwing all the 5xds and 6xds i got a bunch of them here but um you know, this is this is a 6xd you know this will go this will go 20 foot plus Oh, wow.
2: But, but yeah, but, we were I mean, actually I, talking about that, like, what, the last episode, wondering how deep some crankbaits actually go.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can get a 6XD. So th- this is the way I do it. So this, like like I told you, I go from KVD one point five. You can use the 1.5 shallow, which is like one foot. KVD 1.5 regular, 3 to 5. DT6, you know, DT6, though, on 10-pound line, you can get it down to seven, eight, nine. sometimes 10 feet if you burn it real fast. DT10, DT14, and then after the DT14, they have DT16s, but I usually jump up to the Strike King 5XD. Um, these are sixes, but um, which you know, which can get you down to that to that 15 to 20, and then if you got to go a little deeper to get down to hit that rock or hit that brush pile, you know, or, or you get that school down there on the bottom, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll jump to a Strike King 6XD. I'm not throwing the big, giant. What are they are? Um, I don't I, 10XDs. I'm not throwing those giant. I'm just not deep in that, you know. I don't have the equipment to do that. And then a kayak—that sounds like it just wouldn't be a whole lot of fun, to be honest with you. So, yeah. but but that's but I pretty much have down to about 23, 22 feet covered, you know, with a Strike King six six XD on a seven foot three, a bomb cast, you know, with the wind behind me. You know, you can get down there and you know get down to that, you know, 20 foot plus for sure.
1: I was throwing a big, uh, I think it was a six Sense crankbait, like one of those huge ones with the monster bill on there, and it wore yeah. me out. I, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, yes, I, I had the same thing, um, you know, using that medium rod that I got uh, for crankbaits, you know, throwing that medium diving sprue, which I believe just got like kind of a tight wobble, uh, wobble to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's fine you know after all day of throwing it you know it's kind of uh it, it takes a little strength but um <laughs> yeah, yeah you, i yeah. i had a 6 sense that i bought that i tied on and man it feels like a fish is already on it when you first throw it out and start cranking and yeah. so so that was why when i was wondering if i needed a heavier rod for that because it was just so aggressive
3: yeah i mean th- i throw medium action rods but yeah they make medium heavy cranking rods so for throwing those heavy really big crankbaits um what i have works for me but those legend glass rods are not super like flimsy if you want to call it that they have a pretty good backbone so it's not like a giant bow you know where i'm struggling you know where it's super like it just it's just the perfect combination you know to be able to cast it far and to be able to handle you know the big crankbaits and you know, something to think about is um, when you're throwing these big crankbaits, having a, you know, a slower speed reel, so you're actually going to reel a lot faster, right? You're going to reel a lot faster to get the bait to go down. Um, but if you have a high speed reel, you're going to reel slower, but that's going to be way harder on your arm, on your shoulder, on your wrist, and on your because you just, you don't you don't have as much power. Like you have speed, but you don't have power with a high speed reel, right? It's kinda like gears on a mountain bike, you know what I mean? You know, when you want to go up a hill, you hit the gear where you pedal really, really fast, but you're not going very fast, but you got the power to go up the hill, right? It's the same exact thing. So a lot of guys will throw like a five one to one on these really, really, you know, hard to reel crankbaits. You're you're gonna be reeling a lot faster, but it's way less work and you know, like it's you know, it's not as much pressure on your body to reel that crankbait in. So Think about that, you know, if you start throwing, if you start cranking a lot 10 to 20 foot, think about, you know, it's going to be you got to real fast to get that bait down, especially in a crankbait cuz it's going to be pulling you to the bait, right? So, you know, if you start throwing a lot of these big crankbaits and getting way deep, think about going to a lower speed reel. It'll be a lot less, you know, work on your body and also you you got more power to get that bait down there, you know, where it needs to go.
2: Here. Here's a question uh one of our listeners uh Heath Barkley we had him on here a while back on the new round table he had a question he wanted me to ask you and uh he was talking about when using the deep diving crankbaits do you anchor yourself to keep the crankbait from like pulling your kayak towards it
3: um I actually don't – I really can't stand anchors. To me, it's just – to me, it's a time waster. I mean, if you're on a giant brush pile where there's just tons of fish in there and that's where you're going to be all day, you know, throwing a shaky head, throwing a crankbait, maybe they come up school and you're going to stay there. I just don't anchor for me personally. Um, A lot of times what I do, let's just say before I even – you know, right now I'm running the motor guide XI3. Let's just say I got no motor. I have a paddle. That's all I have. I was doing this just with a paddle. So the key to throwing these big crankbaits is hopefully finding wind or current, right? Um, and you, I like to work the bait with the wind or current. So let's just say there's a little headwind. And you have let's just say you have this drop. It goes from, you know, 12 foot down to 20 foot, right? And you want that crankbait to go up on the 12 feet, come down, grind on 12 feet, and then come down the drop off, right? In a perfect world, that headwind would be coming at you because you can. Paddle up or pedal up, make a long cast into the wind, right? And then just let your boat drift back a little bit. And now you have the wind resistance pushing you. And now you're reeling and you're not being pulled toward the qu- kayak as much. That's perfect scenario. Doesn't always work that way, but that helps. Um, another thing you can do is um, instead of throwing straight in front of your kayak, throw to the side. So, you know, let's just say you want to throw that bank over there. There's a brush pile over there. Cast it to your left and just and keep your rod basically at your bow. And you're just, the bait's coming this way. So, it's gonna be a lot, obviously, it's going to be a lot harder to pull your kayak, you know, to the side instead of just straight.
2: That was so, the second question. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, too, because I've noticed that, too. Like you said, even if you're fighting the wind just trying to stay straight, a lot of times I'd, I'd try and crank towards... The direction i wanted to go against you know so that i wasn't constantly being pulled that way and then have to adjust with my paddle to straighten myself out against the wind again yeah but, it
3: yeah it's not easy um throwing deep crankbaits with, with you know when you're paddling um but if you like it enough and you can if you've got on a school before where they're firing every cast i mean you figure it out you know you make it work. Oh yeah. <laughs> you deal with it you know you, you just you, you just make it work you know now luckily i'm running a motor which is great. But, you know, when you have a tailwind and makes even with a motor, you know, I don't care what kayak you're in. When you have a tailwind in a kayak, everything is difficult. You know, even if you're at a pedal drive, even if you have the 360 Hobie, you still got to take the time to turn it around and try to go backwards. Even with the XI3 to push the motor to go backwards and keep straight. It's not easy, man. So, but um, yeah, using the wind or current is really, you know, really the best way to go.
1: That makes a lot of
2: sense.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. So let's say you got a crankbait that's, I don't know, let's say dives two to five foot. That's what it says on the package.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay. You're in six, six and a half foot of water. You also got a crankbait that's, I don't know, five to eight foot. Which, which one are you more than likely to throw in that scenario? Because I'm wondering, are you wanting to try to stay at the bottom all the time? Or, I mean, are you trying to keep it kind of suspended and let them, you know, if they're at the bottom, let them come up to it? Or what? How, how are you approaching that si- situation where it's kind of in the middle of those two depth ranges?
0: Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
3: Um, For me, it's all about kind of, you got to get a bite, man. You got to get a bite and kind of figure out what they're doing. If, you know, let's just say you're around wood, you know, you're you're in four to five feet throwing wood and, you know, you're throwing the KVD 1.5 and it's not hitting the bottom, but you're hitting off the wood and you're getting bit. And obviously it doesn't matter. You don't need to get to the bottom. Just whatever the fish are doing. Um, I always like to be hitting something. Now... I'm glad you asked that because in the national championship last week, I was fishing uh, like I said upriver. I was actually fishing the old steam plant up there. I had the whole plant to myself. It was full of bait, full of fish. Obviously, not the right size I needed, but I caught a lot of fish, man. It was a blast. On day one, I could, I was throwing a DT6. My kayak was sitting in eight foot of water, and I I was throwing it at the bank at a riprap bank. It was all there's this big pocket. If you go look at the map at the steam plant at Gunnersville. Way in, way up north, north of Stevenson. There's a big pocket that goes into the steam plant um that is has riprap on both sides, and at the very back it's just concrete like concrete structure. Day one, when I would cast this DT six to the bank, they would eat it almost the first crank, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about zero to two foot of water. And, and so so I could have thrown a KVD one point five, I could have thrown anything, probably, and they would have ate it, probably spinnerbait or anything. Day two, they moved off and were out kind of suspended in that four to six feet. So I'm sitting in eight feet. This bait's barely hitting the bottom and I'm still catching them, but I'm not casting I'm not catching them right at the bank. I'm catching them halfway back to the boat now. So when I figure that out, I turn my boat parallel with the bank, right? And I just keep my bait, I keep my the bank is five feet to my right or left, and I'm now I'm just throwing right down the bank parallel and keeping that bait in that four to six feet the whole time right
1: that way you're in the strike zone a yeah The whole, whole,
3: whole time from my first three cranks of the reel all the way to right to the kayak so that's probably the number one number one way to catch more fish than anybody else in a crankbait is to figure out that depth and parallel i love parallel on a bank if i if i can find a deep bank to parallel I mean, I could do it for hours and feel like I'm being productive because you can you can cast it two feet and reel it back in two feet at 1.5, pick up your other rod at DT6 or DT10, and pull it back in six or eight feet, and you see exactly where those fish are set up. And you can just focus on that, you know, you know, for the rest of the day or the rest of the tournament, depending on what's going on, you know.
1: The few times I have been successful it has been exactly in that situation. Like uh, I was on a rip rack bank. The wind starts switches and starts blowing into that bank. and then I did just like you said, I'd sit parallel to it and then just try right up against it with something yeah. sh- shallow and then just work my way out until I found where they were sitting. and that that is, the, the couple days that I've had good crankbaiting days, that's exactly the situation. So,
3: And also you said, you said uh, you know, the winds are blowing on the bank. And that, a lot of times, I'll just go straight. I don't even care. My history on the lake, I don't care at all. If the wind's blowing on one side of the lake, and I know it has some depth to it, you know, it's not like a one foot flat for 300 yards, I'm going over there for a tournament. Even, even if it's a three-hour Tuesday night tournament, if the wind's blowing on the east bank, you know, and it's summertime, it's fall, that's where I'm going to be, you know. That's that's just my, but that's my style of fishing. That's how I fish. You know, I like to fish that moment right there. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll chase wind. I mean, it's a pain in the butt in a kayak sometimes, but I'll chase wind all day.
2: You know, you hear a lot of people talking about the windblown bank. Um, do you know the science behind it? Like, why that makes it good? You know, like... I've I've never understood. You know, people say like it, like the it pushes the bait fish or whatever. Then I'm like, how does it push the bait fish whenever the bait fish are underwater? So, do you, do you know the answer to that?
3: I mean, I don't know the exact science. You know, I I think it's you know maybe it pushes the algae that way or something like that. Then the smaller fish go to that. And, you know, then the bluegill go to that, and then the big fish follow that. But I also think the fish bite a lot on those windblown banks because you know the diffraction you know that the light and you just you know it just it's just it's always a more alive it, it's every it doesn't matter where you go man it does not matter it's always you know you go to gunsville and find an area that has three to five foot grass right now and it's calm on one side and windy on the other you're most likely you throw a chatterbait at that you're most likely to get a bit more on that windy side you know i just think it gets the fish fired up everything's moving around i mean just like Lanier when all those all those boats are out there you know it's a pain to us you know but when it's you know waves on the bank i mean you can go throw a crane bait shallow and linear when there's 100 jet skis around and catch fish you know i think it's the same type thing i don't know the exact science of it you know I, I just think it's you know you know smaller bait fish bigger bait fish bluegill and then bass and just combined with i think just the i don't know it just kind of creates more life in that side of the lake you know
2: where the part is...
3: Yeah, seems like it, a <laughs> lot. I mean, it's it, it's worked a lot for me. It really has. All
2: right. Um, I was wanting to talk a little bit about, you know, retrieve a little more. Um, You know, you you uh, touched on it a little bit about, you know, the crank and speed and everything. Uh, tactical Bass and has video out. Where they're talking about uh speed cranking, and basically what they're doing, they're putting like a seven something to one gear ratio reel on, and they they said they they swear this is killer in fall or winter. I don't see how it could be good at winter, but I'm not gonna question them because they're yeah. much better fishermen than me. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you've seen the video or mm-hmm. heard what I'm talking about, but basically what they're doing is they are just cranking as fast as they can. And, you know, I, they have an idea of where the fish are at before they start doing this and going as fast as they can to make that go by that fish so fast that they don't know right. I don't, that they just have to chase it or whatever. Right. And then occasionally they'll just do like a one second, just stop it and said a lot of the time if that fish is chasing it you stop it for that one second and it'll smash it right then but if it if you don't get a hit like that just start as fast as you can again and they said in the fall and winter time they have a lot of success with that i yeah. i didn't know if you had heard of it or if you did something similar or
3: well i i know a lot of guys do a start and stop retrieve i, I actually normally don't um i probably should sometime to be honest with you but you know keep in mind. Man, cranking—you can do it year-round. You can absolutely like—I've the coldest I've caught them is forty-eight degree water, and you know down here, I mean, it's not going to get—you know, depends on where you go, but you know that's pretty cold. But uh, I mean, yeah. there's something about it, man. All you know, man, if you like in the winter time, you know that you have that bite window. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's going to the bite's going to suck in the morning. You're going to get out there. You're going to be cold. You're going to want to go home you know but about 11 o'clock one o'clock the sun's going to come out you know if it's a calmer day with not a lot of wind those fish just start biting I man. that's their window like they're probably not going to feed at night a whole lot you know but that afternoon bite in the winter with a crankbait or really any bait i mean it could be awesome man so i mean i seriously throw a crankbait twelve, twelve 12 months it doesn't matter where i'm at you know You know, obviously down in the Southeast, you know, all winter and it's, it's awesome. But the start and stop retrieve, I don't do it a lot. I probably should, but for me, it's still about hitting off that rock, hitting off that wood and finding the depth that they're in. And, um, you know, that, that's really, you know, to me, that's, what's going to get them to bite, but also, you know, we didn't talk about angles and that's probably something that's not talked about more than anything. Cause like if you just throw, go up down a bank and throw a crankbait, I you know not saying I can go back behind you and catch more fish behind you, but you have to be super accurate at casting, especially if you're fishing around laydowns and certain rocks and stuff, and to hit the right angles to come off that to come off that uh that you know wood or rock to make that bait deflect. That's what's going to get those bites a lot of times, especially in the winter when they don't really want to eat, you know. But the angles, it's kind of hard to explain sitting on the computer, but if we're out in the water to be able to show, you know, to hit that log at the right spot, you know, like a lay down, right? It's laying down against the bank, right? And you have that perfect little L right there, right? That everybody throws a frog or a spinnerbait. But if you land a square bill right in that corner, a lot of times that fish is sitting right there. and You give it two cranks, that fish is going to react and he can't help it, right? He cannot help it. It's kind of like pitching a jig in there right in front of his face. I mean, they almost eat it immediately, right? It's the same thing. So, you know, for shallow cranking especially, those angles and being super accurate with, you know, say throwing a square bill around all that um, all that cover, you know, that can be key.
1: I think I have to work on my confidence and not getting snagged in those situations because I I know that, that that's, yeah. you know, I've heard that that's ideal and, and that square bills are great for that kind of cover, but I... I don't know if it's just my experience with treble baits and, and or treble hook baits that I feel like I just constantly get them hung up on when I put it. Maybe it's that I'm not throwing at the right angle or like I said, too stiff of a rod or something silly like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it usually is the equipment. Um, and also, you know, when you're when you reel down and you feel the rod load up like it's probably a log you know could be a fish but that's okay you know because because crane baits you can let them load up a little bit i mean when they eat it they eat it right so um you know if you stop quickly a lot of times you can get that bait to float out you know i mean sometimes and we all know how it is nothing you can do you got to go in there and go get it and you know mess up your favorite spot that's how it goes (laughs) you know
2: or sometimes uh, you set the hook and thinking that it's a fish and yeah yeah then it's not coming out at all (laughs)
3: Yeah, then that. you gotta go in there and try to poke it out with your rod, and you know, but that's that's just part of the oh. fun, I guess.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, this last tournament that I fished, I, man, I was going along and I felt some smack it, and yeah. I set that hook, and I'm reeling it, and it's coming in. I'm like, oh, I got like a four pounder on here, man. It's a, a big old stick that was down there. Ah, the oh, <laughs> <It was, man. laughs> uh, I thought I had a good one. But, Sean, I I will say that, you know, back when I threw it several years ago, you know, I got snagged on everything, and that's probably why I haven't thrown it all this time and, like, had zero confidence in it. Now, you know, I got a little bit better equipment than I had back then and all that, so that's probably got a lot to do with it. I haven't had as much issue with snagging, or if I do, you know, it hasn't been that bad getting it out. Which it could be my experience with yeah. snagging other things as well. <laughs> how to get stuff out? You know, do do that uh that bow and arrow thing quite a bit.
3: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We 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 all get pretty good at getting lures unhung. You know, it's pretty funny.
1: I think that for me, it's going to start with getting a a legit crankbait bait because I don't have I don't have anything that's like even close to legit crankbait rod it's just something i throw on whatever i have and yeah i think that's going to be my first step to to getting better at crankbaiting it's for sure well
3: you know you don't have to go you know i use that legend glass cranking rod it's an awesome rod i mean to me it's i mean have i used a thousand crankbait rods no but that one works for me right but a great rod you know bass pro um the bass pro carbon lights i used to use those those are like 100 110 bucks Go get a six foot eight or a seven seven foot medium. Make sure it's a medium moderate. The moderate tip is also key, right? So you want a medium action. You don't want, you kind of want that bow. You know, you don't want a stiff rod. That moderate tip is going to be a slow tip. And like I mentioned earlier, the kind of reason people go to fiberglass because it's a slower, the tip just reacts slower, right? That's that's the way to look at it, right? So that bait, you got to, like I mentioned earlier, if you got a stiff rod and a fast tip, extra fast tip on a rod it just the bait's got nowhere to go it just it just wedges in there and just wants to roll and get hung right
1: and that's what most of my rods are which is what exactly my problem (laughs) yeah
3: yeah it it's it's crazy you'll see the difference you know you'll throw let's just say there's a log right and you know the rods you were using you're going to get stuck 99% of the time and you go up there and you roll it and just kind of goes over it just like just like a spinnerbait you're like hey that's what it's supposed to do you know you know and and y- you'll see and
1: um you know that's that
3: makes all the difference
1: you know okay cool yeah i'm going to have to try that now don't tell my wife i have to get another rod <laughs> <laughs> don't
2: blame it on me i don't want so <laughs> don't, don't, don't let her listen to this all right i'll,
3: I'll keep, keep it to
1: myself i'll be i'll be down there uh you know in Dale Hollow you know coming back anyway when that's there so it might be safe
3: man that that lake is i love that i love that i've only been on a couple times man but and uh uh, my buddy addison you know addison johnson you know he fishes del hollow a lot he's been catching big ones over there throwing crankbaits so he's been throwing dt10s and dt6s and wearing them out so it'll
1: be fun i'm looking forward to trying you
0: yeah yeah Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, um, Another
2: retrieve that I heard of is actually Paris Edwards on last week's episode was telling us about a retreat that he, I forget what he caught. It. Was a it yo-yoing or something like that? Basically yeah. reel down to get got max tip, then let it raise up a little bit and then just raise, his raise the rod, let it go back down, reel in the slack, let it float up a little bit. Keep repeating that. Is that something that you do much?
3: I do those with rattle traps, you know, um, you Know just let you know, cast it out, let it sink to the bottom. Is that what he's talking about? He's, I imagine he is, but I don't know. Um, well,
2: he, I thought he was talking about like a, with a crankbait, like reeling it down, and then he,
1: I think, yeah, I think he was saying where you'd, you'd uh, reel it down, start hitting the bottom, and then just stop and let it come up, not much, maybe you know, a foot, and then just lift up on your rod, let it plane back down start hitting again and then let it up and then reel up any slack and then keep doing that you know yeah have it, yeah have it kind of dig back down plane back down you know if you will i think is the way
2: i took it when he yeah that's, that's what that's what i thought he was saying
3: yeah and that's you know everybody has their thing you know um i don't normally do that i for, for me my goal is to get that bait down get it bouncing off whatever's down there as fast as it can and have that fish react you know if somebody's figured out some magic deal mm-hmm. i say go for it you know um you yeah. know if something, if something's not working you know a lot of times i'll pick up a shaky head or i change crankbait colors um or a lot of times a lot of times it's just the angle it's just it's so weird man let's just say you mark a brush pile on 10 feet you throw a worm in there you can't get him to bite you throw a crankbait you can't get him to bite you turn around you get on the other side of it you know let's just say it's, it's on a drop off you know, let's say you try throwing a crank bait in the deep water and come up the hill. Basically, sometimes that's what it takes. You know, so uh, for me, it's more about angles and and getting down to that depth. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if somebody's figured out a retrieve that works for them, that you know, start and stop deal, then you know, go for it. You know, whatever. Works so
2: you so you're pretty much all just chucking wine, right? Mostly,
3: like, it's 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 mostly about depth. And hitting off when I need to hit off, and you know, and I use my depth finder a lot. I'm okay. constantly, like, if I'm parallel on a bank, my eyes are mostly on my depth finder. You know, I got side scan on, side mm-hmm. vision on. You know, so you know, if I'm going down and I'm just parallel on a bank and I see a brush pile, I'll mark it. So when I come back next time, I'll make that cast to that brush pile or to that rock or that log or grass patch or whatever it is. You know, next time I come around there, so. But, yeah, for me, it's about covering water and really, you know, chasing the conditions at the time. You know, you know like I said, the windblown bank, you know, an area. A lot of times you'll have, let's just say you're fishing riprap, right? You'll have a, a mile of riprap, right? All looks the exact same. And for some reason, there's 30 yards where the bait's at. And there's like, you, you go 30 yards that way and your depth finder's completely blank. Nothing there. You're like, what's going on here? But then all of a sudden you start seeing little bait balls or seeing bluegill, you know, a little bluegill or some crappie or some white bass, then they start biting. And it's that one spot. You know, for me, it's more about that, you know, finding those little magic spots on everything around you, you know, and then marking those and, you know, marking them and marking them. And then when you come back for a tournament, you can go straight there. And if the bait moved, you just, you know, you just find it, you know. Um, the, bait, the bait has a lot to do with it, especially when you're fishing, you know, you know riprap and you know clear water you know stuff like that you know the bait is key
2: i think pretty much the only basic we haven't co- covered which I, I know you mentioned it but was is color yeah you know so
3: that's a good question ha-
2: yeah how are you selecting uh colors um, i guess for different scenarios uh dingy water clear water different times of year all like can-
3: yeah i'm not i've always i've always kept it actually pretty simple with color um i've actually i really stick with three or four of, for all my crankbaits um you know for throwing deep diving crankbaits it's either white or like this citrus shad I rarely get, you know, when I'm going 15 foot or deeper, it's either shad or citrus shad, not like pretty much all the time, you know. These, this, I guess this sexy shad too, you know, but these two, that's really it. Um, if the water's super clear, like I'm fishing Center Hill or Del Hollow, sometimes you go to like a, um, you know, one of those, you know, you you kind of see through them a little bit, you know, they're ghosty. Yeah, yeah, like that, like light blue or light gray. Sometimes that'll work a little better too, but, um, for clear water, I'm always sticking to shad patterns. Um, and then for, uh, muddy water, like I love throwing a KVD 1.5 and, you know, muddy water, shallow, you know, one to five feet. I'm always throwing a chartreuse with a black back. Um, sometimes I'll throw, you know, a crawfish color in the spring. Sometimes, you know, if, if you, this really happens, I know people see it on YouTube, but this actually happens where, if I'm running a bank and they're biting this this KVD 1.5 and chartreuse with a black back, and I'm just getting them on one hook every time, or they're barely hooked, or they bite it and one comes up and you know throws the bait, there's something, something needs to change, right? You're getting bites, you're like, man, I want to stick with it, but try throwing, you know, try throwing a white, try to throw on, you know, a red color. And a lot of times when they start choking that bait, I mean, just like y'all, y'all seen the videos on YouTube, whatever, seen it on TV, it really does make a difference. Um, you know, when you start, like people say, oh, i lose a lot of fish on crankbaits. Well, maybe if you would have changed colors, maybe something a little brighter, a little different, they would have, you know, ate it a little better. Because you'll know when they choke it, man, you know, when they come up to jump and you don't even see the
2: bait, you're like,
3: I got the right color. I'm going <laughs> to throw this all day, you know, all day.
2: Well, see, but, uh, that makes me wonder now when I was telling my story about uh, that tournament I was fishing where... I was using that fluoro clear and I was having a bunch come off. Yeah. I actually, the color I was using, it was like, uh, like that shad pattern that you had. And I actually lost it. I chucked it like 20 foot up into a tree. So <laughs> yeah. so nice. uh, I lost it and I tied on a different color and I didn't lose any more the rest of the day from it. So I'm wondering if what you just said had, had something to do with that, yeah, but uh, but yes, I do feel pretty good now because I feel <laughs> like the colors that I've picked up, you know, are pretty on par with yours. I think uh, the one I've had the most luck with is like a chartreuse side with like a brown top, yeah, so similar to the black and chartreuse that you got, just a little bit you know, more brown on top than black,
3: yeah. There's, um, there's there's times where I, I do think color. Can make all the difference in the world. I don't think there's a lot of times that that's necessary, and that's just my experience. Um, I feel like it's way more important to be where the bait is, to have to be at the right depth. You know, to be at, hit the right angles. Um, you know, staying in the right depth I think is key because anybody can go and just throw a crankbait at the bank and cannot catch a damn thing. You know, but if you figure out where if you figure out where they're at. <laughs> You know, and you position your kayak right and get that cast, you know, every time or every other time. I mean, I mean, you really I mean, you really can catch them. Like I said, I I caught I mean, my hands were hurting how many fish I caught in Gunnersville. I wasn't catching the right fish and I probably should have left that area. I was catching a lot of 14s to 16. Then I caught that 22 on Sunday. I think that big fish kind of kept me there. But I figured out exactly what depth and then I could pretty much go in on a bank and pretty much call my shot. That's not always the case, but that's what it was, you know, for me last week.
2: I got one more color question.
3: Yeah, that's whatever.
2: I'm oh, sorry, Sean, I didn't No, mean you're that. good. Yeah. Okay, so when it comes to color, you know, spring, this past spring, everybody went insane for, for like, the fire crawls chatterbait, right? Yeah, Yeah. So, yeah. like, those red pattern crankbaits, do you feel like, you know, that are similar to that fire curl. Do you feel like they're effective in the springtime? Like I guess everybody was having luck with uh, with the with the jackhammers. Yeah,
3: I I always have some red crankbaits in the spring. It just sometimes, man, they they just they were key on this red, like this you know crop This is striking one point five. You know, I have some of those. Um, I had some other ones. Oh, let me show you this DT six quickly y'all you know, probably seen this color in the store before but it's kind of like that flat color let's see yeah these right here i don't even i forget the name of the color but you can kind of see them it's that cool color but um sometimes they just key on that red you know that they want to eat crawfish they want you know they're kind of done chasing shad for a little while and i mean they will eat the They will eat that red just i don't know sometimes they just destroy that red in the spring
1: and, which is weird because i've never seen a crawfish that looks that red before you know right
3: yeah well i agree and um there, there was an elite elite tournament on lanier i think it was last year or maybe it was yeah it was last year this has been a weird year guys
1: right <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah you could say that again
3: it was last year you know the water was super clear he was on lanier and he was parallel on a bank with a rapo dt6 and that bright red color and he was wearing them out i think he was he was in the top 10, I think, the first two or three days and did real well. But, I mean, sometimes even those spotted bass, they just lock in on that red color in the spring. And, you know, I always have it with me early spring. You just never know. So,
2: Well, I have to keep some in the tackle box for when springtime rolls back around.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: That was the other
1: time that I did well. And I just
2: happened to run into a guy at the
1: bank, and he's like, yeah, you do you have a Do you have one of these red uh, crankbaits? And I was like, Yeah, I have one. He's like, Go over there and throw it by the. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, it it man, it was on fire that day. So, uh, yeah, lucky enough to have those days every now and then. So,
3: well, you know what, what's cool about square bow crankbaits, and it, it's just another tool. Like, you know, if if you got an awesome windy bank and it's springtime and they're biting, a spinnerbait will work, a chatterbait will work. I mean, those things will work when that wind dies, like if, if I go to a bank, you know, and I'm catching them on a spinnerbait and that wind completely dies, switch over to a square bill. And it's just, it's just more subtle. You know, it just, it just, it will get those fish to bite when they don't want to bite a big spinnerbait or a chatterbait. So keep that in mind too.
1: I know one thing I was going to ask, how about rattles silent or rattling? What's your preference or um, does it change I, it up? I use,
3: uh, I, have, I have, I actually have both. Um, I do change it up a little bit. Uh, when you get a lake that's heavily pressured, I like using the silent crankbaits. Um, when it's calm, I like using just just like you would think. You know, I, I do switch from time to time. Um, am I constantly going back and forth between rattle and silent? No, but if I know if it's getting a lot of pressure and I'm just say I'm shallow cranking, a lot of people are doing it. or A lot of people in the area, you know, I'll try to go something more subtle. It's almost like you know, kind of going, you know like throwing a shaky head like you're gonna downsize and you're gonna slow down and you know that's kind of the way you can think of it okay
1: cool man well that holy cow that was a ton of good info so brian you got anything else
5: is there anything you think
1: um, we're missing craig i don't know any other tips or tricks here you know, throw out there
3: all right, let's let's just I like I'll do a quick recap on what
1: I try to tell people who are just getting to
3: crankbait fishing. Number one thing is the rod. Number one thing is the rod. You got to have a medium rod. Uh, I don't care if it's a spinning rod; doesn't matter. Spinning rod or a baitcaster. You know, a seven foot, six foot, eight. You know, around there. You know, and I'm talking ten foot or less cranking. Right, it's kind of that deep cranking is a different whole deal. If if you're new to crankbaits, just Figure out how to catch on a square bill or a DT6, you know, or 10 foot or less, figure that out first, and then try to go I think, to that deep cranking, because if you dive into that, you're going to feel like you're just wasting your time. Unless you get on a big school and you're like, oh, man, I'm good at this, you know, <laughs> and, you get a, and you get a lot of confidence early. So, you know, a medium action rod with a moderate tip, that slow tip, that slower tip is what's key. That's what keeps the base from getting hung up. Also, you know, we didn't talk about this, but you know, when a, when a fish sorry, that has a line on it. When a fish comes up to eat a crankbait, right, he's gonna come up, you know, when they open their mouth, they suck, you know, they suck, right? So if you got a stiff rod, you know, it's just not gonna wanna you're not gonna have that give or that bait wants to fly back in his mouth. I mean, it will, especially if he's coming fast. But to have that give on that rod, you know, it keeps you from getting hung up and it also help you hook the fish better. And then when they jump, yeah you now how that goes, when they jump, you know. You'll, your rod will have more give when they go to throw that crankbait. Your rod will, you know, shock absorber, right? And you'll lose less fish. I mean, you're gonna lose them on a crankbait. It happens, it's just life, you know, it's just part of it. But you will definitely have the right rod. And, you know, fluorocarbon or mono is fine.
0: Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.
3: Um, like I said, I like mono because I change it a lot. It's inexpensive and I can cast it a long way. That's what I use. Um, a lot of the pros use fluorocarbon you know, a lot of the elite guys, you know, but a lot of guys, you know, some, some still use monofilaments. so don't forget about it. It still catches fish. We promise. (laughs) But those are key. And, you know, if you're new to it, start out with some KVD 1.5s, fishing five, six foot or shallower, learn how to catch fish like that, you know, with the right equipment and getting the right angles. And I mean, once you do that, you'll get more confidence and then you start throwing the DT 10s, you know, I mean, then, then that's when you start getting to a, depth a lot of people don't fish you know and you start catching fish that maybe don't get touched a lot because you you go to you go down a bank you know you're throwing shallow you're throwing shallow but underneath you that eight ten twelve feet you know your kayak's sitting over that a lot of the times you're not even fishing it and if you watch your depth finder there's a brush pile with three fish on it there's a big rock pile you know there's somebody's christmas tree they put there you know and you can go back and crank that later in the day when the sun gets up real high you know, and or you know, obviously throw a jig or a shaky head or something like that. But I say for the guys starting, the you know, the new guys, is you know, like like I mentioned, the rod is just just start ten foot or less. Go catch some fish, and you'll gain confidence from there.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I think I've. Uh, I think I'm out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> for now for now yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know I, after i get a little further into it i'll probably have a few more questions might have to bring you back on here
3: yeah hey we, we should do a uh, like a follow-up one and see how see how everybody did you know what i mean
1: no <laughs> i agree yeah no i definitely want to go try some things too so yeah awesome well,
3: well i mean we're we're in pennsylvania i imagine it's starting to get cool so i bet that fall bite is a real fall bite right now i imagine
1: uh, yeah, I want to get back out. I, I was out on the river. The Sus- I live about a uh, maybe ten minutes from the Susquehanna, so I fish that. Ah, I've been fishing man. that a lot. I want um, to do that. Man. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, and um, the more I learn, that the better I'm like seeing what everybody's talking about. So, um, but yeah, uh, and I've heard that you know the the even at the lakes and stuff the fall bite the is supposed to be really picking up. I just haven't. I somebody posted a video. I, of course i went to the river on sunday and somebody posted a video of the lake i usually go to and they were jumping like it was they were just panning out across and all you could see was them feeding like crazy i'm like oh that figures <laughs> yeah that's how it goes yeah but i still i caught a nice molly on sunday so I, I can't complain so yeah i, uh, I would
3: i would love yeah. to come throw a crankbait up there with you on the uh, susquehanna and catch those big smallmouth that would Dude. be that's a dream trip of mine
2: <laughs> yeah me me too i'm I'm gonna have to go up there and crash on his couch sometime.
1: Absolutely.
3: I'll make room (laughs) for you
2: guys for sure. (laughs) Call me. Uh, Yeah, we'll have to call Jody McQueen too because he said that he wants to go whenever we do.
1: Let's go. Road (laughs) trip. Yeah. My door is always open. I'll leave the light on for you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Cool, man. Well, uh, do you want to shout out any uh, sponsors or social media or anything like that? Uh, Well, um, if you want to go
3: to uh, fishing, that's my uh, my fishing page on Facebook. Um, I try to release some videos uh, there, you know, probably every two or three weeks. I just released the one from Gunnersville. Um, really, the, the main sponsor tonight was, um, you know, St. Croix. Um, I love those rods, especially that legend glass cranking rod. Like I mentioned, um, it's just built. It's built to throw these things through all the junk out there. Um, but, you know, that, that's a $250 rod, $270 rod. They have the new Mojo Glass cranking rod that um, you know is that $100, 130 and thirty dollar price range. Killer rod. Uh, it's the same action. Uh, I'm ninety nine percent sure it's the same blank as the Legend Glass. So that is something to look into. It's the Mojo Glass. You know um, they make those rods in Mexico and they're awesome rods. I mean they sell the mess out of those rods. So that's that's really a shout out I want to do you know tonight. And um, guys, I love talking crankbaits. So anytime you want to have me, I'm ready to come back. <laughs>
2: so, yeah we'll we'll need a uh you know this is like the 101 we'll have need the what, what's the next step up i didn't go to college is 202 <laughs> or <do you>? yeah <laughs> 200, 200 level <laughs> <limo> classes <laughs> i
3: don't even remember us <laughs> <laughs> 12 years I don't know. long too long so too
2: long well we'll have to have the the intermediate one uh, eventually then we'll, then we'll go to advanced and you know all that but we we'll have to work the levels
0: <laughs> yeah
3: yeah let's let's do it it's uh it, it's very addicting it, it, the thing is it can be very efficient and once you get really good at casting and put that bait where you want you can go behind a lot of people and catch fish and that's what makes it fun if you're getting a bite a lot of guys aren't getting you know somebody throwing a spinnerbait down a bank you can go back and behind them and catch three or four fish that's how you know you're doing it right and you'll get confidence that you can do it anywhere any lake you know any time of the year cool
1: man well thanks again for coming on and yeah tons of great information uh we appreciate it um yeah. so uh yeah we'll have to have you back so um everyone this has been the bass fishing for noobs segment of the paddle and fit podcast we bring you the techniques the tricks and the tips to help you rip more lips thanks guys Later, y'all.
4: on all your jig and tackle needs.
0: Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.